up in the Great Lakes. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And uh, Matt, we were, you know, always having a show behind the scenes, but uh, the, the great point came up because we were talking about uh, dealing with these zebras again and the techniques that you were using. And you brought up the fact that a, that a drop shot, uh, the abrasion is going to be on the leader. For the most part, yeah. Which is going to hopefully help you land more fish. Yeah. Less, less above the hook, more below the hook, because you can handle a quarter, three-eighths ounce tungsten. Right. I, I mean, I'd rather lose that than the whole bait in the fish. Like five bucks a pop, though. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's what we do with the Great Lakes, right? Because the zebras yeah. and the, the tubes that we all used to fish. You break, you break them off. Then get get it on the knot, the abrasion, break Love the fish that. off. Yep. Drop shot, strike the catches on. Way better. Might be way better uh here on the uh you know here on the zebra or uh the, the what do they call i just forgot to barnacles barnacles <laughs> <laughs> i love it i i've lost my trend of thought now like it's four the, shows it in gets a row. light at 6 30 and it gets dark at at uh eight so we're <laughs> to those long days i mean it's not like up north when it's like light at five and dark at 10 and you're, you're like holy cow i've just spent 31 days 31 hours on the water the last two days yeah right it, that's what it, the longer and the more you get in the summer, the longer the days get, the harder it gets. But uh, but you're you're a trooper, man. You're fishing. This is your second year fishing all the opens, Matt. You're fishing what twelve tournaments? Nine. Nine. Yeah, three in each division. I can't ask either. Three, okay. Six, nine. Yeah. So you did nine last year, and and you did well. I mean, I didn't do poorly. I would have liked to have done better. Would you finish 10th in the standings? Sixth overall. Sixth overall. Yeah. That's phenomenal. And I mean, it, three more would have been phenomenal. <laughs> right? You know, the goal is to fish in the top top three, but yeah, fished all of them. Uh, mm. But I mean, it's got a lot of experience under my belt because, you know, before if you just fish one division, it would take three years to get that much of experience in the, in the and there was four the year before, so I kind of crammed yeah. six or seven years of opens into the last two and a half years how many have you fished so far this year this is the third one third one okay so you're just you're just getting started yeah yeah they kind of put them all like in april and then there's july and like september october there's like kind of three clusters there was like an outlier in florida and then one in july that's kind of an outlier on oneida for the next northern over the fourth of july on oneida will be antique ships as they go up and down the lake with nine million ski boats oh that's gonna be on the holiday isn't it yeah so the fourth oh, of july is monday yeah so then we just get tuesday and a couple hours on wednesday but friday saturday sunday monday is a go goat, traffic goat roper <laughs> it's gonna be something Oh, man. And, then, and everybody up in New York takes their boat out on 4th of July. Yeah. Like, if you have a boat and you're in New York, you've been, like, cooped Waiting. up all year. Yeah. Like, that is the time to yeah. break it out. Hey, we saw today in Virginia, we saw everybody break the boats out today. Jet skiers were They're out. They're all really friendly. Water skiers. You notice that? They're all, they, hey, how are you are. doing? Did you, have, you know. Love that about coming super, here. Super, yeah. super nice people on the water. Yes, absolutely. 100% agree. Love being here. I, I just want to give you credit and props because you it was one of the funnest um most excited i've ever seen you or anybody really was on thousand islands last last season you um you pulled a rabbit out of a hat you were having a day and if things were unwinding 
and you made a call and put 20 plus pounds in the boat, like boom. And you were like shot out of a cannon. That, yeah, that, that, was, that was, so that honestly, that was listening to my co-angler. My, my co-angler, you know how when you drift on Thousand Islands, your co-angler bait actually goes past the fish before the boaters. Yes, yeah. Key, if you are subscribed to Bass U and want to fish a Toyota series or open or BFL as a co-angler, Thousand Islands during the summer is a private top one you would want to sign up for. Right. You have just as much, if not more, chance of catching them than your boater does, except, you know, unless it's like a spawn deal. Right, right. But uh, he... Does anybody it, fish? It, he, he had, uh, you know, I'd had... 21 pounds the day before and caught four 19 pound limits with a drop shot with a three foot leader. And, uh, he, he caught three good ones and he said, Hey man, like he understood how it worked. And then he started dragging a jig and a Ned. Well, I didn't put two and two together, but he catches a five and then he catches another five. And with like 45 minutes left, I've got three for eight and he catches a four and three quarter that gives him like three for right around 15. And, uh, he said, hey, man, you want one of these or whatever? And, and I said, you catch that last one on a jig? He said, yeah. I said, you catch that last one on a net? He said, yeah. And I said, those suckers are on the bottom. I said, I've been, I've been drifting over them with this drop shot. So I, I put a net on. I made three drifts, and I caught – I had three for eight little little ones, right? And I mm -hmm. caught a three and three-quarter, a 468, and a 6.6 six on my last drift. And if I had another hour to do it. but Got rid of those Yeah, animals. it was just – Working yep. with the work, you know, mm -hmm. taking a clue from someone that you're with and not being like, oh, I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a yeah, lot. Six, six on the last cast was, I was, I was, I mean, that was my personal mm -hmm. best smallmouth ever. Mm -hmm. That I'd had the biggest one I'd ever caught that's to catch awesome. it on the last, in the last five minutes. You could see it in your eyes. You were, you were lit up like a candle. It was, <laughs> it was so fun to talk to you uh, after that. And, yeah, uh, it was good time. Yeah, that, that was good stuff. But keeping an open mind, I mean, I, this is my philosophy on it is. I don't care where the intel comes from if I if I'm able to use it in an event, whether it's my co angler, whether it's watching birds on the bank, mm -hmm. whether it's picking up something off my sonar. If there's, you know, watching other guys, like you know, you see a guy burn by you with a spinner bait and starts, you know, that's intel. That's have you done that in practice this week where you see a bank that has a bunch of boats on it, like three or four boats on it. And it looks right and it feels right. And you say, okay, I'm going to get in line. I'm going to go behind these guys and see if I can shake some fish off. I've done that a couple of times this week. And it just gives you confidence. Like, okay, I'm doing mm -hmm. something that, because I know it's going to be like that in the tournament. And yeah. instead of being spun out going, oh, there's three boats on this bank. Yeah. You know, if you get in line, do yeah. the thing that you can still get bit. It, it can do two things for you, right? Like it, there's two reasons for it. In my opinion, either you're doing something that's unique, mm -hmm. right? To get the bites or even better or more important is there's an abundance of fish yeah right so if those guys are fished through there and there's still bites to be had mm -hmm. there there's an abundance of fish and that you know to me they're both great pieces of of helpful information you know but uh and we're gonna you're gonna see that glad you brought that up because that's what we want to talk a little bit about is the pressure there's no escaping it in this, and especially like you said, the grass beds and the pad fields aren't as extensive as they will be in a month from now. Um, anglers are going to be crawling all over each other. How do you handle fishing pressure? What are what are some things that you can do to to offset and, and try to be successful uh, with all this fishing pressure? And um, 
you know, there's there's a couple things, like you said, that I think the first there's so many. I think like uh, I think strategy is the most important thing uh, when it comes to dealing with massive amounts of fishing pressure, like we like we're going to have in this event. Uh, it's it's to me, it's more important than the pattern. You know, like the the fish are trying to spawn. Yeah, we, we know that, but you know, how are you going to be able to uh, fish an area where nobody else is fishing, or or find a place where they might be doing it that is that is overlooked because it's uh you know fishing in fishing in a crowd like this i mean in order to win one of these events i think you've got to be able to either do you either got to be doing something incredibly different and unique or you've got to find an area or something that other people have missed i think they're the two most important things you know uh because george cochran I love him. I, I talk about him all the time. He's one of the greatest that ever did it. He says, what's the most important thing in tournament fishing uh, to account for? Fishing pressure. That's the number one thing. And we got it here. So being able to do, you know, some things that are that are unique uh, um, are, is, is definitely going to be a factor. Uh, here in this tournament, what do you think? How many? We have two two main bodies of water, right? We have the James River proper, and we have a river called the Chickahominy, and with a couple rivers in between. What? How many do you think will be in the Chickahominy River? For under bites? No, I think the whole <clears throat> the system as a whole is fishing really good. I think mm-hmm. I think probably. Uh, 75 to 100 boats will make that run to the chick but i, I mean i also think that there's some other areas that are, will actually draw some boats i think there'll be less in the chick than there were last time right uh i think that there's a lot of vegetation last time that brought a lot of people down and, and uh i just i i think i think the like you said the backwaters are warmer mm-hmm. in the backs of those rivers and stuff and i think there's some it's just not my style mm-hmm. personally but I'm hoping that that pulls a bunch of guys to go catch like river, you know, gnarly, nasty river, run into the stuff, get in the back, flip the lay downs, right, that right. type of stuff. Yeah. I think that that, that'll definitely play this time. So you think this, this year will be spread out? I think so. Interesting. You don't. No, no. I mean, well, just for the, well, it's always, it, it's always seemed to be like a 60, 40 split where they run to the chick because the chick is where most, the sixty percent of the tournaments are won. Yeah, I still think there'll be seventy-five yeah. to hundred boats in the chase. Yeah, which so. is all, not quite half of our yeah. field. But I think it's also with this warming trend, it opens up all the other the possibilities of all the other little bodies of water that are in between that don't get near the fishing. I, I, I was thinking about this today. I think only, I think only four out of the top ten will come out of the chase. Oh, less than half. Yeah. Wow. Is That's that just because there's so many guys in there splitting the fish up or what? So many little ones in the chick right now. I think it's easier to get a bigger bite somewhere else in the river. Right. And you get two, you know, two big bites in another creek, and that accounts for a bunch of two and three-quarter and three-pounders in the chick. Right. Just my thought process on it. Well, and, you know, I'll be honest. The people that, that I've talked to, that I've run into on the water – everybody's complaining no matter where i go well that doesn't matter 
you could be catching 30 pounds a day and that's you're true. complaining you don't catch 35. That's true. Well, you're going to fish a bank, pass them, and say, how's it going? And they're like, he's <laughs> blasting them on this I just call four Three, pounders four, five, down five, down definitely come three. back down this road. You need to pick up a black and blue jig and throw it. Throw it in the do side you not do that? Like, you know, there's someone in your area that's on yeah. your pattern. You've seen them, and they're like, well, how's it going? And you're like, I don't know. Something's off today. Something's a little different. Got you know, we got a couple rugs. I got one decent one. You've got like a five and two fours in the box, and you're yeah. trying to get make them think, oh, okay, I need to run something different. So you, you can do two things. You can either do that, or you can be like, dude, yeah, I got them. <laughs> Those are the two things you can do. So don't believe what Matt tells you when you run into him. <laughs> And I'm not going to say none. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth, right? Disinformation is part of the game. It's not and, lying. You know, doc talk is always one that, you know, gets you, right? Yeah. But you you think it'll be made more, a lot, a lot of shit. I, I think it always is, you yeah. know. I, you know I, but it always holds up to it. It does. There's a lot of fish there. there. You can catch fish on any type of habitat down there. There's a lot of uh, the pads surprising to me. I didn't think they'd be up. They weren't yesterday. <laughs> two days ago you could go and you could see them and you could be like yeah. oh look at their two little pads and now they're just like boom everywhere yeah, yeah they're 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 up and, or up enough i should yeah. say you know they're they're not, up on low time. they're not yeah they're not fully matured but they're up so uh it, it'll be interesting someone will catch a rug with something through that the pads yeah it's gotta be someone will catch them running something through those new pads and there's also grass. There's there's a looks like kind of a hydrilla, but it's hybrid. But it's not crispy. It's but not. It stands out more than milfoil. Yes. Yep. Did you notice that too? I yep. was trying to figure out. It was like a hybrid milfoil. That's that's what I'm calling it. Some kind of hybrid, and uh, it exists yeah. down there. It's called, it, it it'll like to be a fat grass. Is always a so factor this time here. Yep. Yeah, that's it. that's it. And then there's the it'll top out later in the year. There's the black stuff, but it's a type of grass. I thought that's that's the moss. We call it black death. Okay. Well, and it's not slimy or anything. Like no, it's it's hard. Like it's like hair. It's yeah. hard to get off your base. Do they get in that stuff? That, you know, it's funny. They will use it uh, for a couple different reasons, but the they the the heat that comes off of that black bottom. At times, you know, depending on where it's at, it can. It's like different types of rock. Yeah, different it, colors of rock. It can. Different. It can bring. It can bring fish in in the early season, and we fish use it. It's you're gonna close. hear that. You're gonna hear that come up a lot in uh, in low and seminars that we're gonna be putting out in the next few weeks is the casting to dark spots. Little uh, little teaser there for you guys. Casting to dark spots and why, why they are so <clears throat> so key. It's not necessarily even a hard piece of habitat. Just could just be spot on the bottom where the mud's darker. Pass to it. Interesting. Well, you know the, the that's the flip side of it is uh, the the spawn, right? Everybody looks for the glowing white beds, but a lot of times those beds are dark. You know, they're they put them on a, a dark bottom, so it's going to be one way or the other. Uh, be interesting. But Alex, uh, I want to throw it to you. Do we? Do we have some questions from uh, from our group? We sure do, Pete. There's been a lot of questions flying in on both sides. I want to thank everyone for sending those questions in. And the first one we'll go to here is from Joe V. And what Joe wants to know from the both of you guys is, what do you think makes a good spawning area on tidal fisheries? Uh, go ahead and take that because I was the one who was just asking you what you thought about that. <laughs> 
Well, you know, the, the bottom is key. And, uh, you know, bottom hardness is, is definitely key. Got to hold water at low tide. That's another key. Um, just like my bulkhead story, even though that's, yeah, that's not directly in the current, not and directly in the low flow, right? Doesn't have to be no flow, but it has to be low flow. Good bottom holds water at low tide. That those are in my, you know, quick answer there. Those are three of the most important things. And I've seen, uh, I've seen them bed on shell, like shell bars, uh, or muscle bars, I've seen them. A lot of man-made habitat on these river systems are a big deal. You mentioned that. I've noticed that where I've gotten some bikes this weekend and last year as well. Do you feel like on a tidal system, vertical cover draws spawning fish more so than on a reservoir? Like like a seawall, a dock post, a cypress. It seems like they always... It seems like yeah. there's something vertical around where they're. I, I 100% agree that they're going to hunt for that vertical stuff. And and it may, is it because of the tides? I don't know. Is it more so on tides than respirable? I don't know. But they definitely they they want to have that uh, of that vertical. And you know we'll see it like on the man-made stuff. Like it'll you'll go in like um, uh, the natural bays and they're silted in and they're mud, and then you have like a dredged out man-made area. That's all gravel and hard bottom and it might silt in, in the mouth, but you get back into it and it goes down and holds depth at low tide and makes for, makes for good spawning habitat. And here's cypress trees, no doubt, no doubt about it. Cypress trees are a big deal. Uh, lily pads are lily pad roots are big time uh, spawning habitat. We saw that on the, on the James river, Brian knew, who won blind fishing for uh, betters on uh, the, the St. John's uh, last year, year before in um, the uh, tidal river system there. But the, the pad, uh, the, the pad stems are, are fat. If you've seen the lily pad root systems, not the stem, but the roots, they're big and, and they get white. Like when you'll see bass clean them off, you'll be going through a black mucky bottom and you'll see those white roots and um, and they'll put their beds right down there. And, uh, so great, great question. Um, but there's there's a variety of different habitat here uh, where we're fishing. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be gravel. It's going to be cypress trees. It's going to be blowdown trees, and uh, maybe in the lily pads too. And docks. And docks. Docks. Bass love. Here's a cool something that's cool that I use when I'm fishing docks for spawners is the key. Usually when you're fishing docks, you're flipping in the shade, right? But and you can, right. They, they need the sun. They need the sun. So you got to flip to the sun washed sides of whatever, whatever you're fishing, you know, whether it's a cypress knee or it's a dock piling, you know, that's where they're going to be. They're not going to be put in the shade. And here's something else that, uh, the, um, like in the morning, the shade will be on one side, but the the afternoon sun, I think, is more warmer for a bed. So, so you want stuff that's getting the afternoon sun. Springtime yeah. sunburn. Springtime sunburn. Yeah. Everybody knows it. I mean, it's like, you know, sun pops up over the trees first thing in the morning. You're still cold as hell, you know, but by 
by two or three o'clock when the sun's been beating on the back of your neck for three hours, you're like, damn, I should have put on a buff because it's, you know, the UVs are a little bit different there. And uh, that's a timing thing. And I, I got a question I want to bring in here from our message board. Uh, Frank wants to know, um, on a tidal body of water, you want an early boat draw or do you want a late boat draw? Yes. Is the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> which one Which one do you want? And you can Give go in depth. Early. You can, you know, relate it back to the tides. If you got this tide, that tide, whatever. But Early give me late. Uh, I don't, I don't, well, in a multi-day tournament, give me, give me at least one day early and, and one day late. Uh, and I'll tell there's reason why the, the late bite uh, the late stuff is great because you get that afternoon sun, you get maximum fish movement that you can capitalize on in that long day to do it. And if you get one day late, that means you're going to be one day early and early is great too this time of year because if you find an area where they are uh concentrated and and like colony spawning being able to get there first is huge you know a single day tournament um you know it just it, it really depends <laughs> right like if it's if it's a tournament where it's early early season and it's cold and the water's just starting to warm I almost always want a late flight. You know what I mean? To, to be able to capture that afternoon stuff. Let me, let me ask yeah. you this. In the opens with the staggered flights, like, I know, like, so in, like, local stuff, like, if it's a 100-boat tournament in a local event, boat number one and boat number 100 may be split up by, like, I don't know, mm. 20 minutes on takeoff. Yeah. But if I'm, boat no, if I'm boat number 100, I'm getting an extra 220. <laughs> on the end of the day as far as my fishing time goes H how does that stack up in the opens like it does it correlate back does everybody get a true nine hour day or, or how does it work 45 minutes yeah. to take it off 45 minutes to an hour to do all 220 boats i mean they skip them if there's boats if they're like boat eight where's boat eight okay boat nine and then when boat eight gets it he'll, he'll sneak in line but yeah you get a much longer day if you're a later flight but like i right. said everyone day so it's flip-flop so it's reverse the same yeah yeah and that and that's if you guys have never fished a multi-day tournament that's the deal you if you're boat one on day one you're going to be last boat on day two yeah because uh, what i don't want is the dreaded middle of the pack draw uh especially in this time of year i think it's most important this time of year mm -hmm. because you need that early one day and you need that that long day but middle of the pack means you're never going to be first anywhere and you're never going to have a long day. Yeah. So you're just handicapped uh, a, a little bit, you know? So, uh, so that's a great question, man. But I, I, I love that. Uh, I love being, you know, early or late, you know, depending on the, on the conditions and, you know, like I said, right, right now, fish are clamoring. They're, they're going to be tight together. I, I, I can think of a lot of places that I would want to start and get a good boat draw in this tournament, you know? Um, so it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to, to see how it all plays out. But great question. It won't hurt my feelings because I'm catching my incoming tide the best. And mm -hmm. if I get boat number one, by the time I get where I'm going, it'll be low tide still. So yeah. I don't expect it to pick up for the first couple hours. So I wouldn't mind being in the middle of the pack, but then it moves an hour the next day. So I was thinking on, of point. that. So then like, 
if I'm yeah. but one, then I have to be back early. So I have to leave early when yeah. the tide is just getting right mm-hmm. and switching. And then I don't know if I can catch them for the first hour. So I don't want to like waste that time. Mm-hmm. So it would work one way or the other. Like I would rather almost be like late and early because then if you think about it, you get there when they're biting late. You just hope you can get in a rotation, a good rotation. And then the mm-hmm. second day, with the tide an hour, it's still starting to come, and then you can start on the juice. And there's with an 80 degree day, more fish are moving up. So ideally, that would be yep. my scenario this tournament. You want late first. I'd like to be like late first day, early the second day. Yes. Okay. Is that way I think I can maximize my tide? Your tides, yep. Does that make sense? It does. Because Riz, remember this uh, at the Ike Foundation tournament where the guys that won it yep. were the last flight? Yeah. In a single day, I, if anybody's watching that's doing the single day thing or, or you're even somebody that's just learning a tide, you're learning to fish tidal water, get in that last flight. Give yourself as long a day as possible because, like, you know, if you can see both sides of a tide swing, you know, it, it, you, and you have the long, you have the longest day that, because on a tidal body water, things are constantly changing. Like you can go from zero to hero like that. You know, you pull up on one grass line and you get right in a hurry. Give yourself the longest day. If, if you have the choice, you know, obviously in the opens, like you guys get assigned your number, but, uh, you know, a lot of the single day events, these guys have the option to sign up either first or sign up last. And, you know, if you're if you're wanting to learn how to tidal fish, give yourself the longest day possible. See as many tide swings as you can because then you'll start to kind of dial things in like, oh, I'm getting bit way better on a third of a tide on the incoming, you know? So I, I got one that kind of piggybacks on what you said, Riz, and, and uh, I got to give Pete credit for this too because he talked to me last year. I fished, look, I mean, I'll be honest, I fished a dozen days in my life on tidal fisheries. I'm from Oklahoma. I grew up in the middle of Illinois. These things scared the heck out of me when I first came down here. And I was like, how am I going to figure it out? And you made a good point. You said, this was, you know, when I saw you at the boat ramp that morning, Mm -hmm. you said, don't worry about time of the day, that stuff. He said, worry about your tide and practice. Like if, you know, stay out till dark, if that's what's going to be the tide on it. But what I did, and it, it, it was like the, Second day I've been here, and I didn't even do it intentionally. It just happened that way, and it clicked in my head on tides. Because, I mean, it's it's incredibly complex, and I'm not saying by any means that I, like, understand it, but I have a, I feel like I have a grasp of it. I'm comfortable with it right now, right? Like, it takes years and years and years to master the tides. You see the guys run the tides. You see what I could do, what you could do, what the guys who are familiar with these tides could do. I can't do that. Never will be able to, just because you don't have time on the water. But I got a bite, a good bite. On a, on a piece of cover that you could see the bottom on low tide that was in like four foot of water on high tide. And, and I kept going back to check it. But what I did was I saw the same piece of cover on all the different tides over the course of a day. Nice. I saw that cover on high tide. I saw that piece of cover on low tide. I saw that piece of cover on incoming tide and on outgoing tide. And I went back to that exact same thing. And I knew what was there because of on low tide and mm-hmm. what it was and how it was affected and what the current looked like. Yep. And happened. It was in an area I was fishing a stretch and I kept, kept going back there because I was trying to figure out what I could get bit on it. But at the end of that day, I was like, okay, now I kind of understand a full cycle and what a productive piece of cover goes through on all the different tides. And then it just kind of clicked in my head yes. and I was able to, by that yeah. throughout the river system that's awesome for the 
that's like the first the first uh the first piece to the puzzle there like you know the, one of the cool things about tide is that you always have that you, you you can you always have that one thing to base your plan or base your day off yeah. of you know outside of crazy occurrences where you know you get a blow in tide where the water never lows or a blowout tide where it never comes up you always know one thing in that day the tide's going to come in and the tide's going to go out so it's like you can almost simplify your fishing because you have you have one thing that you know for certain is going to happen. It's controlled by the moon. It's not changing. It's gonna it's gonna happen to to an extent. So that's that's juice juice stuff right there. Seeing that piece of cover on on every on every tide swing is like yeah, like it's ripping past it one way sometimes. It's ripping past it the other. It's slack other times, and it's just like a whole different ecosystem around it at different times. And that's when it clicked you know, how important it was, how kind of dynamic the whole mm -hmm. system was based on one immovable object. So it, you, you, you caught right. a big fish off of that piece of cover, right? And this is what I want to know now, Pete, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Is that fish still there all throughout the tide and it just doesn't want to eat or does it move and does it come back at the optimal feeding time? Uh, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I think, I think a lot of times they, they leave a lot of times because they have to leave like, uh, you know, especially areas that where fish feed on high tide and they move in to capitalize on a current break or something that takes place on a higher tide. A lot of times that habitat's high and dry at low tide. So in that instance, they definitely leave. So I figure they do at other times as well. You know, they just, they, they've learned that, okay, I'm going to, drift over to this dock piling when it's low and then I'll, I'll meander back to the grass flat at high and uh you know just go through that that cycle when they're feeding that's that's what i think happens but the result is the same whether they leave or don't leave rich right right because if they become inactive and i can't catch them it doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter but the um you know one of the other things that i think is really key is it developing a really good memory on what you're seeing paying attention to what you see at low tide because a lot of times uh they're the most magical places and they're so subtle it may be a tree limb that will become peaks out of the water at low and and then it floods at high but you can fish all the lily pads and grass around it or the, the maybe the trees you know around it but that that one little piece that that is sticking out there that is even too small for your sonar to pick up you know yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of one right now i got i got on, on <laughs> incoming it was almost high tide mm -hmm. and and i shook off what i felt was a really big one so low tide today i went right back to that i'm kicking up mud kicking up mud yeah. got the sunglasses on i'm standing up and there is a white shell bed on the back mm. corner of that cypress that is exactly where i got that bite now there is nothing there now but i know when i yeah. go back derby day and wait for that tide to get high there's where the first cast is going to be. that's right that's right you, and the, it can be anything it can be you'll see uh points of grass or mm -hmm. or like you said shell but but just developing a memory uh you know and you don't even have to today's electronics you no know? i put it put it in yeah. there and then put it in my notes shell bed back right corner tree at, uh yeah. I, I put uh i like i see incoming right incoming tide on it and there you go you can you can use data to help you along those lines, but that's that's been a study of mine, like living on the tides, right? I've been fishing tides for 30 years. That's why a tidal guys just, typically 
do really well on tidal yeah. fisheries. Yeah. Like you, they, just, you just look, you look down a bank and you're like, Oh, I'm coming back at high or I'm coming back, you know, on an outgoing. Like a Terry Scroggins on the St. Yeah, John's. Exactly. Hike on the Delaware, yeah. stuff like that. It's just mm-hmm. such a bigger advantage over guys like, you know, me, guys from at, the plane. At, at times. But here's the, here's the advantage of the non-title guys that crush it on tides, especially when there's grass involved. Grass beds are like the great equalizer. We see it on the Potomac River all the time. Like when, especially this time of year where the fish are clamoring to spawn and they're, they're populating a grass bed, guys will just, I don't care about the tide. I'm just going to go to the grass bed and I'm going to, I'm going to fish there until I'm done. You'll catch them on low, high, middle, just I'll catch them when I catch them, but I'm not leaving. And that can be a great equalizer, you know, on a, on a tidal system. Interesting stuff. Great conversation. But Alex, let's, let's go to another question. By the way, I, I, you mess with this lure. I'm going to give a shout out. Okay, yeah, right here. Uh, Keith at Black Town. Uh, thank you, buddy, for hooking me up. It looks sexy with this bait. Uh, I caught my first glide fish down here on the James River. Not as long as the bait. <laughs> the, the, I did not be, but I did uh, trigger a strike, and it was a lot of fun. So. Uh, um, thank you, thank you very much for that, Keith. Look forward to um, dialing that bait in a little bit more. But Alex, let me throw it to you. Yeah, that's awesome, Pete. We had a like I said, good questions coming on each side again, and this one's from K Argyle Outdoors over on the message board, and he wants to know. We'll start with Matt and then go to Pete on this one. He wants to know what is the most important thing to know about tides for someone who has never fished on tidal water before. Yeah, that's great question for you because you faced that exact thing last year the most important thing to know on tides is how to read your tide and figure out what tide you're on when you get a bite that's the Mm. most important thing because if you replicate it or duplicate it and it's like the biggest thing that that took me was like okay let's say you're fishing a one-day event on like a saturday and you practice on a thursday and a friday Mm -hmm. so like where you get bit on thursday it's like two hours later than that by the time your tournament is right mm-hmm. so if you get bit there at like 8 a.m on thursday and you go back there at 8 a.m on saturday not the same it's condition. a totally different fishery like the dynamics have completely changed mm-hmm. so yeah. under understanding how to read your tide chart and knowing where you are on the tide when you get bit to me was the most important thing and then like after you do it for a couple days like after you do it for a couple of days, it kind of becomes second nature. Like yeah. you, and then, and then you kind of put your game plan together. Okay. Like, and then like I found, I was like running the tide and didn't even realize I was running the tide because yeah. like, you just are kind of like, boom, boom, boom. And like you put it together and what you're basically doing is you're running the tide, not in a complex manner, but in mm-hmm. a roundabout way. Like I'm starting like, okay, because of how it is there, I'm going to start up like mm-hmm. in the mouth, I'm going to make a stop there and there so I can right. get a little bit, you know, it's going to be turning quicker. So that's, that would be my piece of advice. And that's, that's great advice. And it's, it's so key. Like I like the advice I gave you is throw your tides or throw your time away. That's not important. It's about what tide that, that you're successful. Tide over time. That's the deem. Yes. Tide trumps time. Uh, when you're when you're on a tidal body water and and like you said uh, a lot of times uh the further i am away from a tournament 
I like to practice in the evenings uh, because I'm going to see the same tournament, same tide in the evening on like a Sunday or Monday that I'll see in the morning on Thursday and Friday. Um, so I'm, I'm able to, while a lot of guys might be eating dinner, that's the tide that you want to be practicing because, you know, that's what you're going to see during the event. So, uh, you know, kind of the same as you, but the tide trumps time. Uh, but that, that that's a great question. And Alex, I'm, I'm a, we're, we're going to handle it. Uh, I'd like to go through a few more. And uh, I want to get Matt home. I know we're, we still have one more day of practice. And uh, our tournament starts uh, on Thursday. So, um, you know, we're going to we're going to take a few more questions and then shut her down and then we'll keep you guys posted. Hopefully we'll both uh, be doing well, you know, come Thursday. Stay out of my holes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we got a couple of good questions here to hit before we wrap up. And so this one's for Matt comes from J-Rod and he wants to know, Matt, how do you change up your drop shot setup on a tidal fishery or does it change at all? Uh. <clears throat> the weight well, you got a barnacle yeah it. no the, the <laughs> title weight is the biggest thing eardrop tungsten because it translates the bottom feel better mm-hmm. but you're fishing the bait entirely differently if you're going with a three sixteenths a quarter or three eighths and it depends on whether you're trying to stick it on a dog post uh side press whether you're trying to drift it past it whether you're area casting because there's some places where you want to where I want to like put it behind, like if I think there's a bed there or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw a heavier drop shot weight in there. There's others where I'm trying to make it natural and basically kind of drift it past it. So I think I vary my, I, I don't think I've, I've found varying your, your drop shot weights is key in, in maximizing the amount of bites you get based on what type of structure you're fishing. Whereas typically most part on a lake, like I'm going to, unless it, you know, something drastically changed like wind or depth, I'm going to stick with the same drop shot weight for the duration of the day. Yeah. And drop shot is huge for you. Yeah. I, 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 I watched your, your pie chart from last year. What was it? Like percent of your fish were caught? Drop yeah. Shot? 81% of my fish were caught on a spinning rod and like 47% through all nine tournaments were caught on a, on a drop shot. Wow. And it, I mean, it worked like, I mean, the whole yep. goal for me is you can't leave fish on the table. So throughout eight, 18 days of competition i left three fish on the table i had a, i only had i had four one day or i had one no i left. i got you yeah, yeah i had one at smith on day two and then i only had three at oneida other than that i had a limit every single day and that was i mean a lot because of the drop shot wow the drop shot i know Brooks- but i had zero top 20s last year so i mean there's a there's a double-edged sword there that's well Brooks uh, Parker practices with me mainly because he throws the drop shot a lot. And I, I get frustrated with the drop shot. I can't stand it because of it's, it's in the, the darn drop shot leader. It wraps around everything. It, it's just, unless it's in your hand all the time, I'm always fighting the drop shot. How can you help me? You need, with a, that? You need a rubber band on the bottom of your rod. I do. I need that. <laughs> just tuck that weight in there. I need I need some uh, some psych, psychological help as well. <laughs> just I, I've refu- I've refused to throw it and watch tournaments get one on it, and I'm still oh you're still not a, you're not a shotter. Very 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 rarely. 
You know, I've had good finishes on a drop shot. I will shot. tell you what, the drop shot is a great way to finish just outside the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking to drive home wishing you had one more quality bite, throw a drop shot on Oh, that's awesome. I love, I love that. Well, now you're not encouraging me to throw it. Because I, I am here to win. I am here to – See, I'm not. I'm fishing for points. Right. I'm fishing overall. I'm looking for consistency. Yeah. I'm looking for, you know yeah. – Make I'm it sacrifice. to the elite. I'm sacrificing yeah. – in my opinion, sacrificing wins, top 10s, top yeah. 20s for, I'm looking at percentages. Right. If right. I can have the highest percentage of a top 50 finish, that's what mm -hmm. I'm looking for, which is, I mean, that's not the way to fish for everybody. Right. Like if you're fishing three and you're trying to make the elites through one division, you only have 50 points on the table. You have to finish in the top 16 in all three. Mm. It's going to be hard to do Very that. Hard to do. Fishing. If you're trying mm -hmm. to make the classic, it's hard to win one, you know, on a power fishery like the James River on, on the finesse. If you're trying to dink and dunk and average it out over 10 mm. months on nine fisheries that you're not familiar with, then it becomes a little bit more viable. Yeah. Well, and, and I, and I say that, that, you know, I'm not, I'm trying to win in that. My goal is to try to make the classic. That's my, yeah. my Plus you've goal. won before, so you know what it's like. And I feel like everyone I've talked to that's won one, all they want to do is win another yeah. one. It's it, just an addictive feeling. It, it, it's a thrill. It's a thrill. And it doesn't happen nearly enough, except unless you're Jason Christie, who's uh, <laughs> <laughs> to win an unfair amount. And a Brian Schmidt does, too, another mm -hmm. one that pops into my head. Uh, but they, they seem to win an unfair amount of tournaments. Obviously, Kevin. Uh, is is the big one, but but no, that's that's my goal. My goal is not to to qualify for the elites. Uh, my goal is to to win. And I'll be honest, I love fishing that way. It's so it, it's so awesome because I I I strategize differently. I I try to practice to my strengths, and I fish. You know, I look for ways that I you think throw this. I think <laughs> I look for ways that I think I can win. Not necessarily yeah. the way you can win or another, a, a different guy. So it's it, it's fun to practice that way. And Alex, I'm going to uh, throw it to you for one more question. What do you got? All right. The last one we'll go to is from our man, Stefan Walden. Shout out mm -hmm. to Stefan over there on the message board. And so this was really more of a comment, but I'm going to turn it into a question here. So he said, the James River is like an obstacle course. You know, he feels like he's just going to go out there and lose you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars of props and lower units when he's out there. So what advice would you guys give to someone that, you know, it's their first time or they're new to navigating some risky water. So we'll start with Matt and then go to Pete on how you would navigate the sketchy stuff. This goes for me across the country. There's nothing wrong with idling. Like you will jack up a lot less stuff idling. Now, if you get on metal, you'll still mess the boat, but you won't dip it from that from the top to the bottom. Like I do a lot of idling and I don't care if the guy blows past me on pad. I don't yeah. care if yeah. I don't feel 100% comfortable with it, I idle. And that saves props and lower units and boats. And yeah, you might have a guy pass that's like, oh, that guy doesn't know where he's going. Yeah, no, I don't know where I'm going and that's why I'm idling. Yeah. So I have no problem. I'd rather spend an extra 30 minutes and get a trail back into a backwater area than rip around and pray. 100%. I, I love it because, you know, that you're wise beyond your years because that so you just got to you got to be patient and you got to slow down a, a little bit. And that's that's a great one. Uh, Lake Master, get get good mapping, get amazing mapping. It's available. And um, 
you know, that's going to help you a lot. But the deal that this is the, the little analogy. I, if you idle in, you can run out, right? If you idle in and didn't hit anything, you, it, you unless we're on a title fish. Right? <laughs> 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 but well, yeah, always, always do your exploring on incoming tide, especially on water that you're not that familiar with. If you get stuck on an incoming tide, you're going to get floated uh, in just a little while. But you get stuck on an outgoing tide. It's going to be a while. You Have yeah. you ever heard of an outgoing tide? No. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I, get, I take your time. I love that. That's a great question. And uh, I appreciate, appreciate all you guys, all the great questions. We've got some stuff to give away. And we've got a trivia question Uh Riz, you want to? You got that trivia question handy? I do. That's right. I'll uh, I'll get that queued up. Um, we uh, we also had a Facebook like and share going on tonight, guys. So uh, if you haven't yet, now's your chance. Like and share tonight's feed. You'll be entered in for a random drawing to uh, win an awesome prize. And our trivia question for tonight is about yours truly, right next to you, Pete, Mister Matt Pangrak. This is the, the one that beat. He said the question <laughs> is tonight. Matt, okay, Pang make- Matt Pangrak of Bass Talk Live is a man of many names. Panger, Young Grasshopper, Matthew, Mr. Shoving Stuff, and of course, the Nature Boy. Tonight's <laughs> Tackle Direct Grand Prize, the question is, how did Matt or Matthew get the nickname Nature Boy? How did Matt get the nickname The Nature Boy? I've said I've told this story I think twice on BTL, but Jeffrey's retired that nickname in honor of Rick Flair like three <laughs> years ago when he went through his, his health issues. What Rick did, he's like, we can't cut him. Like, fine, that's fine with me. Just that then he picked up Matthew, but there was there is a story, uh, multiple stories behind that one. Alex, you got the you. answer right. What's we that? do. We have the answer already. Oh no! I was just saying, Alex has the uh, has the answer to to monitor okay, I do. Yep, I'll keep an eye out for it. Okay. I don't think anyone's gonna get it. I think you're gonna have to do a double or nothing tackle pack. Uh, <laughs> you'd be surprised. That guy seemed to figure it out somehow. They, uh, uh, yeah, no. We we usually I don't remember, get very long for the grand prize. Retell it because uh, I remember I remember this story, but I, it's just not. If no one gets it, we just have to end, right? It's just this mystery. Oh, just no prize. It might just it might just roll <laughs> over into next show. Roll over, roll, roll, over, over, roll over. That's right. You want to talk about a big live next week? Yes. Double prize. <laughs> not getting the show up trophy at Bass University. Yeah, <laughs> no participations from the dean. Not at all. Oh man! Yeah. But, so we also had a Facebook like and share winner uh, tonight, and that is Dan Kowalski. Congratulations, Dan Kowalski. I showed some of the baits a little earlier. Let me grab them again. Awesome. Got awesome. Some, got yeah. some awesome stuff going out tonight from Rapala. That's a DT6 in the right color for right now, too. The Demon, Ike's Demon. We got uh, some Nico hooks, Nico hooks. Uh, we got some Tokyo rigs. We got a Rod Warrior rod sleeve. We got a pretty awesome Rapala hat there. Guys, a lot of good stuff. Going out the door, bash you live. So, how are you liking uh, the the host seat at BTL? It's a lot more work. 
Yeah. Yeah, but I, I enjoy it. I mean, Mark, Mark, uh, Mark ran, you know, ran the show for 17 years. I co-hosted with him for 12 of those years. Um, it's hard so, to yeah, believe it's, a, it's that long. Oh it's gosh. a, it's a big change. I mean, it's yeah. a different show, but I, I like it. Feedback's been good. A lot of, uh, a lot of good, good mm-hmm. feedback from the, uh, from the listeners. So, lot, I mean, a lot of, lot of, uh, a lot of things planned for the future, but right now, just, uh, just trying to get comfortable with it, and uh, it's a lot of work with the nine opens, doing all the shows, keeping up. You know, there's heavy hitters is going on now. Christy mm-hmm. just won the the Bassmaster Elite Series, so like I scheduled Christy for BTL the Monday after I got back next week, and then I'll do the heavy hitter stuff, and then I have to do a bunch of shows to get ready for the next open. So, right, right. But I enjoy it. I mean, it's we're talking about fishing, so I mean, it's really hard to complain when that's what you get to do. You're either fishing or talking about fishing. That's it. What could be better? Catching enough to win, <laughs> to win this week. But what? 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 what Best fishermen are never happy. You have thirty, yeah. you want thirty-five. If you have twenty, you want twenty-one. Yeah. I mean, I, but I think that's a, that's. A, I mean, I think that's good. Well, and then, and when you get the win, the the beauty of it is you you're going to win again, and that, we've seen that over and over with guys. <laughs> Once they crack that W, um, it's just a matter of time until they they can crack another W. You know, was there something special about your win? Like, was it like when your first major win that you had? Were you like, did it did it unlock something to where you were like, holy cow, I don't have to do, I don't have to be Superman or do something insane to win a tournament? Like, what yeah. was it? Something that I, changed that made you fish differently from that day forward? This, believe it or not, this happened in 1999, mm-hmm. and um, I I asked myself that exact question. It was a great question, and I wrote down in a notebook everything really? that was going through my head at practice, really, and during the tournament to try to understand. That is all. That, that's awesome. How how I found that zone in that week, but the one and there's a lot that you know. There's a lot that happened, but the one thing that I remembered writing, and it's is I fished from my first cast to my last, like I had 20 pounds in the live oil. I fished like that every moment of that tournament. And it's kind of, to me, that was like the beginnings of like here, like I coined fish the moment, Mm -hmm. you know, or you're just open. Like if you have twenty pounds in the box, no, that's a, that's an insane feeling because because yeah. you're relaxed in some way, but you're also know that you're on the precipice of greatness. So yeah. you're there's a whole different level of of uh, uh, intensity because yeah. you because it feels like you're one bite away from a magical day. And you're not, you're not fishing defensively. Yeah. yeah, you're not protecting. You're you're not questioning yourself. No, you're you're looking for opportunity in and your mind is like. You know, you're not you're not encumbered Dude, by the pressures nugget. of a tournament. That's a nugget, man. That's a nugget of knowledge right there. Fish like you have 20 pounds in the box. The guy that can do that out of the gate is well. That's why I think you see so many elite series guys win opens. Not only because they're the most talented guys who've proven themselves to get there, but because it they really they come in, they know they've succeeded at this level. It's not a do or die for them. They're already on the elite series. This is a bonus. Their goal mm-hmm. is to win, to make the classic. And I think they go out a little bit freer 
fishing like they have 20 pounds in the box because if they come in with one it's on to the next elite series it's not well i gotta wait till next year to qualify for my dream right it, they're, they're, so I think you combine yeah, the field yeah. of fishery with insane talent, and that's why you see a lot, you know, Polonix and Lester, all the guys in the past that have won opens. I think they're 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 there level because they're fishing like they got twenty pounds. In the they're box. they're there. They're not they're not like oh man, I've got to get that shot. There's two <laughs> quarter pounders pulling up for ounces. You're gonna catch twenty pounds and we're on that drop. That you want. I hope but, not tomorrow. <laughs> You know what I mean. <laughs> the next day, the next day, it's gonna happen. But that, but that fishing freak. Because what I found is the pressures of the tournament can prevent your creative thought, like your your just ability to adjust quickly. You know, um, my ability to recognize that there are ants now all over our house. Are there? Yeah, they crawling in front of us right now. Look, there's one right there. Oh yeah. This, this hot weather brought the ants out. Oh, those are harmless. Well, fishing free, fishing open, and, and being able to not not succumb to those pressures allows you to just solve problems better. It's pretty, pretty cool stuff. I hope that everybody gets an opportunity to, to fish that way uh, for one of these big derbies. It's a, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal experience. Highly recommend it. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> Winning. Highly recommend it. <laughs> coming from the dean as always <laughs> alex are we gonna have to move on to the next show <laughs> if you can't win i would recommend it top feels almost as good yeah i think we might have to roll it over here pete no one has quite got I, I it yet brian no one's gonna get it. that because i, I haven't told it. that story for like four years dude we're we're gonna take i like your idea we're gonna roll it over and do a double prize yeah you know Thanks, what? I'm just going to go ahead and announce it now what the prize is going to be. It's going to be the tackle pack, but we're going to give away a dang Hydra Wave next week. Cool. Yeah. That's worth it. Yeah, we got to stack this up, man. It just look ramped up. And if you guys think I'm you guys think I'm fooling, look, it's right here. TH Marine Hydra Wave. All right, guys, next week, tune in. We are going to give this thing away for the right answer. So, That's awesome. Well, it, it, all right, call on it. We're calling it right now. What's uh, now? We got to know the answer. How did you get the? Oh no, no. Do you, are we just going to roll it over like the whole the same question for next week? Or no, I oh, no. those guys will be. They'll find the answer. They'll spend. The oh, next okay, time. okay. Try have a DM on it. Now. Yeah. What? What? How? Do, uh, basically, I, I there is an article about me fishing, and the guy who wrote the article must have googled it or something and one of the things that came up was that when i was in middle school i won an award for my photography and like essay on the life cycle of the 17 year cicada <laughs> in, in illinois that is so phenomenal fish, and then it said and in middle school he also won an award for his work with cicadas <laughs> And it came up and Jeffries found it and then That's he started awesome. calling me the nature boy because of that. And then I started every day when I would when I would go out and shoot photos of the Elite series when I was covering it, I would shoot I would make a point to find some sort of animal on the bank. Like I remember I shot like fox and bobcats, all the birds, <laughs> gators, everything, and I would always put 
nature photos in yep. the uh, in the, the BTL galleries. But that nickname started with a, an article that someone scrounged up that I was an award-winning author on the cicada. cicada. Excellent. That's All awesome. right. Nature boy, that's great. Nobody got that question. I, I didn't remember. I know. That was very obscure. So mm -hmm. I don't know whether to... I guess Brian gets props for that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the first stump we, we've ever had. Usually, yeah. I mean, out of our questions, man, it's like it, the question isn't out of your lips yet. And, no, uh, and uh, they're anticipating. They're like, they're clicking that Jeopardy clicker, you know? As I said, you have had to have steel yeah. trap memory and listen yeah. to detail like in 2019. Well, I hope you guys fast talk live you guys are on uh four days a week yeah monday uh tuesday wednesday and thursday at 8 30 a.m central time uh day four is on thursday uh with frank scalish former lead series pro he comes and uh drops some knowledge and then uh uh i got a real cool uh thing with saint jude going right now i'm fishing a tournament in may and for the next couple of days uh you can go to basszone.com and donate to saint jude awesome. uh, for my team 100 percent of the uh, profits go to saint jude for that big highly classic up there they've raised over five million dollars for saint jude Whoa. in 24 years big time up north yeah. big time team tournament up north excellent well that's awesome that you're doing that yep enjoy it i i we, you know we uh me and my son uh support St. Jude as well. Awesome. And uh, it's um, obviously a great program that you're doing. Go check it out. We'll, we'll all check you out at BTL. Thanks and for having me. I had fun tonight. Thanks for, I had fun. I'm, I'm glad, glad I came in. I'm glad I came in. You guys have a nice little, little cabin going. You're kind of, I mean, you've got a grocery store behind you, but you got horses in the front yard. Every day. I, I, the horses, I, can horses kill you? Absolutely. They look, when I, every yes, day no, when yes, I, yes, when I, out of my door, they look at me. Don't stand like, behind him and slap him on the butt. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I kind of, I was like envisioning him like stalking me at night because they, they look me, they look like they you might ever heard of a horse fight. I guess they can take a nipple off. <laughs> well, we'll keep their distance. <laughs> Wish you best of luck at, at the tournament. I, I well, hope we're in it together. So best I, of luck to you too. I would, that Let's would be awesome. Have solid nerves. Let's see each other again on Saturday. Saturday morning. That, that's the date. About 6 a.m. Yes. By the, by the, I was leading the tournament here um, two or three yeah. tournaments ago, and I forgot the, my my boat insurance wasn't updated. They So they held me back and let the entire field go. How long did that take? God bless my wife. She went into my office and found, and found an update. You know, I... It, I just I had last year's card, yeah. You know? But you had it. You I had it, it and she found it, which was impossible. How long did that take? It took fifteen minutes. Oh, but it was because nice. you were starting with twenty pounds in the live well, just with your mentality. Yeah, so it was no big deal. <laughs> but it was fifteen minutes of death. Yeah, you can't I imagine because there's no insurance company's going to open no. the door. It's just, at You're like I'm waiting till eight thirty or nine. It's over, you know, but. uh but anyway, so uh, hopefully we see each other Saturday and we both have our insurance papers. I, every, and I just <laughs> make sure you check yours. And thanks, <laughs> thanks, every, thanks, everybody, for watching. Thank you, Riz. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate all you guys at Bashview. By the way, if you're watching over on Facebook and you just got this share, go get subscribed to Bashview.tv. It's 30 days free right now, and we have some amazing stuff from Jesse Wiggins. And from Bill Lowen, 
that is going to be dropped in the very, very near future. It's going to help you uh, become a better angler. And uh, that's Matt Pangrak. I'm Pete Kluzek, Bash University TV. Good night, everybody.